This is E-Retailer Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Now the host of E-Retailer Conversations with Principal of Profits Plus Solutions, here's your host, Tom Shea, and co-host, Bill Kendi. And with that, we'll say This is the E-Retailer Conversation for October 12, 2017, a program that we have created and been providing for coming up on 10 years now, uh, a monthly event from Profits Plus, of which we find people who are experts in aspects that are relevant to our business, and so we ask people to be kind enough to take time from their work, come and join us, share their knowledge, speak to our audience, and allow us to ask questions that we can take this information and t- go and help our own business become a bit better. Well, tonight's e-retailer conversation, as with all the previous ones, is being recorded. Uh, we record it and have it available as an MP3 file for those of you who want to download it to your iPhone, iPod, or i whatever it is out there. And uh, you can download it off the website somewhere, should be later tonight, as Bruce Giroux, our information stud, will take and massage the files accordingly to make it easier for you and quickly for you to be able to download it. Uh, it will also be on the website where you can simply just dial up your speakers, click the button, and listen to it and pause as, as necessary. And that will be on the ProfitsPlus.org website. Let's see what else we need to tell you. Uh, we are monitoring during the course of the program tonight. We will monitor emails. For those who are going to uh, have a question that somewhere during the evening, you need to uh, you think of all of a sudden, like, ooh, can I get this in? Well, we'll give it our best shot to see if we can get it in for you. And uh, we also will be monitoring Facebook. Uh, you can just type away whatever questions you're going to have there. We will be glad to take and uh, put it before our guest as best time allows. Okay, so with that being said, uh, the introductory tape tells you that uh, Bill and I, so here's kind of the story where Bill that um, Bill had been sick last year, had some surgery, going to take quite a while for him to uh, recover, and then on top of that, Bill decided to move from uh, Holt, Michigan, down to the beaches in the panhandle of Florida. So probably a good way to recover, although he's now been through uh, two of our severe storms, which uh, I'm not so sure he's fond of that idea of what we experience here, but such is what life brings to us. So um, tonight, our topic, our discussion point, is a direction we have never gone in before. Think about food. Why and how? What, what do we miss out in, in, in this particular conversation? And, and then here's where we got into it. I had occasion uh, last summer, 2016, to speak at a, a trade show out in Denver. And as I was looking at the announcement that who was going to succeed me this coming this summer, 2017, I looked in and I go, gee, I recognize that name. I've heard that name before. And and so I chased him down to real quick Google and found him, put a phone call into him right quick, and found my friend, Craig Melby. I knew Craig Melby from many, many years ago. He uh, was living here in St. Petersburg, Florida. And his father very, very well. Went to church with Craig, no less on it. And only find that here he is now doing what he does today. But Craig had to tell me, it's called Lead Smart. Uh, you find him at leadsmart.com. And um, Craig has credentials of CCIM, which deals with the trade of people whose area of expertise is leases and all the components that go into leases. Um, so that being said, I, was, I never asked him where he's, where he's living right now. Or where he is, is he joined us? Craig, are you out there? I am here right now. I'm up in the mountains of North Carolina enjoying the nice, cool weather. Oh, sounds good. A friend corresponded with me yesterday on our mountain in Arkansas. I said, oh, it's a nice night. We're having chilly and tamales and cool breezes. I'm thinking, yeah, that sure beats this 90-degree weather here in Florida. 
It was actually raining leaves oh. today. Oh, sounds nice. Well, let me tell you, we always take and we play music as we have guests. And um, it took a little while. I mean, how many songs do you really know out there that deal with leases? <laughs> I don't well, know any. That okay, well, it, it was a stretch. Uh, so I found, and I don't know if this was a band that I was playing there in the background or not, but it's a group they're called Teebs, T-E-E-B-S, and the name of the song is Cook, Clean, Pay the Rent. And I go, okay, pay the rent. That's a bit of a stretch, but that's as close as I can get it for our first song tonight. We're going to talk about pay the rent. So Craig's company is Lee Smart. Uh, you're sitting at home and you got your laptop there, your iPad, whatever, uh, you take a look at leasesmart.com, and uh, Craig's niche in the world is that of being an expert on something that most all of us have to deal with at some point in time, unless your business remains home-based, is that you've got to get a lease or you've got to negotiate a contract to uh, buy a piece of property and where Craig comes into play is he's the guy you want to talk to to say, is this right? Am I getting all I can get out of this? Are there problems that's in this lease that might come popping up and hitting me? Are there uh, other opportunities? Is there something else that uh, maybe both of us missed? Is that kind of the direction of where I think you go, Craig? Uh, yeah, that we can definitely go that direction. And, uh, I can I can't remember you had so many questions but the answer is no no yes no I mean people never ever do it right you're always leaving money on the table and I'm here to spill the beans and and tell everybody what they're missing out on what they need to do differently okay well let's start tell us first your credentials CCIM I know I've seen it but uh, boy I can't don't well, that, that on it right now yeah, that stands for Certified Commercial Investment Member. There are, uh, you know, thousands in the world, and it just means that we've been through a course and done a certain volume of business. So it, it's just a way to know that, okay, this person probably knows what they're doing. And then, of course, there's a good networking, so I can call a fellow CCIM anywhere in the country or the world, and we're already bonded. So it, it's a real good organization to be a part of. Okay. So let's, let's start at the very beginning, and that is you're going to, uh, for those who are listening tonight, you've already got a lease right now. It's in force, whether it's for the next three, five, ten years. So there's nothing we can talk about with you tonight. The lease is done, dead, and you might as well go home. Right or wrong? Um, I could, I'm sorry, I couldn't hardly hear you, but I, I think you're saying you have an existing lease that still goes for three or four years into the future, or, or it's about to expire? No, you, uh, what I'm looking at is uh, to lead you with a teaser question for the, first, for the people who are there. Uh, tell them, so if you've already got a lease in force right now that's going into several years, do okay. you still have something to tell them for, the, for tonight's program? Do you have information? Well, yeah, definitely. They need, need to start... Program? Uh, they need to start getting ready for when they expire, and you can renegotiate a, a lease at any time if both parties agree. And sometimes the landlord wants longer term. Uh, you could, if, if there's improvements that need to be made or changes that need to be made, uh, there's no reason to wait to the end of the lease before talking to the landlord. And we do uh, have mutual lease amendments done all the time. And and so, yes, uh, don't feel you're stuck with it. You might be stuck with it, but uh, then again, when you check with the landlord, they may be willing to change things around. Uh, one thing in particular, we used to call it uh, extend and blend. When the market crashed and people were paying too high of a rent, you could go to the landlord and say, hey, you know, when this lease expires, I'm out of here. But if you want to lower my rent now, uh, to more market levels, uh, then I'll extend the lease longer and I'll be here longer. And there were many, many uh, landlords that would do that because they didn't want you upset and leaving after uh, another year or so. So it worked out for both parties in, in that case. 
And you know, while we talk about the situation from our side of the coin, the side that we don't know about is the side of the landlords. For example, you may have a lease that expires in the next couple of years, and your landlord may be putting into effect plans to remodel or expand the shopping center if you're in a, say, a strip center or if you're in a mall or a building, and he's got to go to the bank and borrow money. Right. And he's going to look a whole lot prettier to that bank if he's got you on a lease that goes for 10 years instead of two years. So right. you shouldn't be surprised if the landlord comes knocking on your door saying, hey, let's talk about it now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that happens all the time. And they're willing to make your life a little better, uh, whether it's through terms or improvements. You know, let's put some more lighting in here. Let's get some more carpeting, some paint. Let's freshen up this, that, or the other thing. And so, uh, you know, it, in an ideal situation, the landlord and the tenant are feeling like they're a team working with each other to both do good. Now, many times they're on the opposite side of the table battling it out, but that's not the ideal situation. We try not to do it that way. Yes, you and I have talked about that several times before. Yeah, yeah. The, the ugly side that, that can happen. But it, there it are plenty of ugly be... sides, and we need to be careful of those and try to mitigate the possibility of that. But ideally, landlord and tenant is a partnership. We, we, need, we definitely need to have each other there working together. Uh, don't need to be fighting. We have plenty of other things that we can do with our... Right. Uh, our business to, uh, to occupy our time. So um, we, we have the option with the lease of doing what you say, looking now, expanding it. We may be starting from uh, ground up. It comes to a point, say, that the landlord hands us a, a, a lease. They're kind of thick pieces of paper. Uh, seems to be there is a, a lot of shall we say, boilerplate information in that lease? Yeah. Okay. And a lot of that boilerplate, you don't want to leave it in there the way it is. And and we we run across it all the time where the landlord says, okay, this is our standard lease. Everybody signs it, so here you go. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and you don't want to do that. There are clauses that you want to put in there that are not there, I can promise you, and there are clauses that are there that you need to yank out or uh, or amend quite a bit. And then we be with this boilerplate lease conditions in there that even the landlord giving them credit has never even looked at from the standpoint of, wow, this could present a problem. They never looked at uh, the situation from the other side. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, well, I've had that multiple times where it's like, no, that's not what I mean. It's like, well, all right, well, then let's, let's word it a little different because if this happens or that happens, and they're happy to do it. They, they never really realized what would have happened in that circumstance. Okay. So when I've got a lease handed to me, my first question is, um, there's you, a person who has a niche in the world of doing what you do, but do you replace me talking to the accountant and my talking to my lawyer? Uh, definitely not your lawyer. Um, there may be tax implications, especially in the future. I think uh, leases are going to be handled differently uh, under uh, tax law. So that would be that's actually a time, very timely question, and I would never replace a lawyer. But what happens is you want to have all the business terms of the lease negotiated before you bring it to the lawyer, ideally. And the lawyer will tell you that, too. They want to do a legal review. But if, if you keep going round and round and round on business points, then it could easily cost you thousands and thousands of dollars to have that lease reviewed by an attorney. And, of course, I'm not close to an attorney, but I do negotiate the business points every day. So we make lots and lots of progress when we go over a lease and, uh, and talk about how things should be handled, you know, the if-thens and, and all those. There's a lot of boilerplate that needs to be changed, and we point it out, and they go, oh, yeah, fine, you, you caught us there. We'll change that. Okay. So now what about why you have said we still need the lawyer there for us aspect? What about the business owner's accountant? 
Well, I, you know, the answer is no. Historically, and I, I hate to have all the CPAs calling and hating me, but um, a, a lease is fairly simple, and um, we haven't really. I don't see CPAs or, or accountants getting involved in the lease process. It's re- actually never happened. Uh, and, but like I said, the the accounting rules, the way lease obligations are handled has always been one way like a, you you know a debt you know if you if you um have have a, a mortgage on a property that's handled one way but if you lease a property that's handled another and it was uh, on the books it wasn't considered much of a liability well that that really never really made sense i don't know why it was that so that is changing and soon enough uh, you will want to get some advice from a CPA or a ter- uh, accountant before you agree to the terms of a lease because it could uh, affect you much differently than it used to. At least if you're starting out new as a business and you are creating your budget and your cash flow plan, at least make sure that the numbers that are in the lease are the same numbers that come into the budget. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I think of one that I got asked to look at last year, and even the banker did not catch the fact that what was not in the budget was the payments to the bank for the building. Just thought, oops, forgot to put it in. <laughs> and you kind of say, well, this is going to kind of be an issue at some point in time here. This is going to be a problem for somebody. So, all right, sure. so let's, let's talk about items about it. Um, a business, the lease is coming up for renewal eventually at some point. Uh, yep. How far out, how far in advance before the lease is up does, uh, should a business owner want to start talking to the landlord? Well, um, probably a year, maybe even longer. depends on the size of the deal and whether you would uh, – how likely you are to want to move. But, but first, you, you do make a good point. Most tenants don't know that a lease renewal is a negotiable event. They feel it's either just a, a yes-no decision. Do I stay under these terms or do I not? And uh, obviously, if your rent is way below market and everything's sweet, then you're looking forward to just saying, yep, we're staying. But if it's near market or heaven's forbid above market or something, you know, you can negotiate that. You, you know, you maybe you want smaller space, bigger space, different space, improvements to the building. Maybe it's time to get off the personal guarantee. Maybe you want the HVAC replaced because it's beginning to sound bad. And so you need to go to the landlord uh, way early and tell them, you know, you're, you're thinking of the situation. You probably want to stay, but under these terms. If not, you may have to move. And then the, the further out you are, the more leverage you have. If the landlord, and typically they go, oh, yeah, hey, Joe, yeah, we, we love you here. Well, everything will be fine. Let's, let's talk about this closer to the end of your lease. No, 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 you don't want to do that. Uh, and they may mean it sincerely. Hey, we're pals. We'll work out something. Don't worry about it. But that something that you work out may not be as good as what you could have done way earlier because their viewpoint of what fair rent and terms are may be different than yours. And so you need that leverage so that they know that you know you can move. You have time to negotiate another deal someplace else, do the uh, planning, permitting, construction, you know, whatever it takes, interior improvements, you can and will move if we don't have a deal worked out. And if it's a big enough tenant, and I I know you've been one in the past, then it's like, hey, this is a 10-year deal and two years before the end of it, we need to figure out where we're going for the next 10, or I'm looking elsewhere and, and I got to commit because there are landlords that can treat you pretty bad and you don't want to be in that position where your business gets slaughtered because of the terms of the lease. You know, the value of your business obviously goes down the less profit it makes and the higher the rent, the less profit you're making. So it's, it's a very important thing and, and has a lot of residual value uh, tied to it. Okay, so let's, let's, we have to make up numbers to, for our situation. Let's say that we have a business, it uh, doesn't matter if it's a 
new one, first-time lease, or if it is a one that we're coming up on a renewal, um, and I'll pick five years. We're going to negotiate a five-year lease. One of the things that come into play is additional options. I've got, I've got a five-year lease, but I have an option to pick up another lease. Right. You know, so another five-year. How often does that happen? Well, it happens a lot. You want an, an option is to the tenant's benefit, not to the landlord's. Uh, but the landlords give it to you because they want to have you as a tenant, and it's a common thing. So rather than sign a 10-year lease, which is a lot of obligation, it would be better to do a five-year lease with a five-year option to renew, and you want that option to be at a fixed rate, not at a market rate or something to be determined, um, because if it's a fixed rate, then you know what you're going to get in the future, and if market rates have dropped if the economy's gone bad then you're not then you're going to renegotiate that anyway uh, but if it's a market rate and the rents have gone way high you know it's better than nothing but not much you know because you're just going to pay and especially if you waited too long they're just going to say here's here's the new rent we know you and they're thinking in the back of their mind we know you can't move the expense of moving it's hard to do you know so that's when they feel they own you and uh, that's when you Historically, you get the worst deal is when you're just staying. So five-year lease with a five-year option at, at a fixed uh, rental rate is what you want. Yeah. And if you take a five-year option at current market rate, that's basically first right of refusal and nothing more. Right, exactly. Hey, it's time for station break, everybody. Welcome to e-retailing conversation for October 12, 2017. The gentleman who is being kind to share his evening with us while he can be comfortably enjoying himself in the mountains of North Carolina doing nothing is Craig Melby. And Craig's company is LeaseSmart, LeaseSmart.com. Uh, you have questions. Here's where you find him. It's Craig Melby. That's C-R-A-I-G-M, like Mary, E-L-B-Y at leasesmart.com. Uh, phone number is 828-884-4454. And while Craig is visiting with us tonight uh, on our program, I would also tell you that Craig also has a, a program. I've been a guest on his program once before. And Craig also records his, holds on to them, uh, that you can pick them up at any point in time. And his website for that program is leasesmartpodcast.com. We'll be back in about five seconds. This is E-Retailer Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. So we were talking about the lease and the lease option. And then in the earlier part, Craig made a, a very quick mention about something that occurs frequently, and that is when you're going somewhere to lease space, you should have a tendency to expect that you're going to be gotten, I can't think of a polite word, hammered, nailed for a personal guarantee, which means you're personally, you the individual, not the business that you own, you know, if it's an S corp or a C corp or an LLC or any of that stuff, uh, you should expect that they're going to say, I want you, the owner of the business, to personally guarantee that the business fails, you're going to pay us the money for it. Is that kind of the essence of a personal guarantee, Craig? Yeah, we, that's the way I would describe it, and landlords almost always ask for one. And we almost always never give them a full guarantee. So you well, have to know how, that. How much less than the full do we do? Well, of course, they, they want you to guarantee the whole thing forever. And by the way, the wealthier you are, the more you laugh at that idea. Um, you know, there's a contingent liability there. Like if you owe that money and, but, and everything's fine, yeah, but still the, your lender is going to say, well, look at that. You owe, you're on the hook for all this money here, so we can't let you expand uh, elsewhere and lend you more money. So just that alone is enough reason not to do it. If, just forget about the liability. So anyway, to answer your question, 
uh, let's say it was a five-year lease and they wanted you to personally guarantee it. First of all, we would say, well, we don't want to personally guarantee it. You know, if we're taking this space as is or if the company itself has been around a long time and has assets, then you shouldn't have to personally guarantee it. But if you do have to personally guarantee it, then fine. But let's let it expire after 18 months or 24 months or, or something. Uh, or let's uh, limit the amount of the guarantee to $100,000 or, or some dollar amount. Um, or there's something called an evergreen guarantee where, okay, it's a five-year lease. We're only guaranteeing a year. Now, that year rolls along, so if 18 months from now we have problems, we still owe a year's worth, but it's still way better than the balance of a five-year lease. So there's many, many things that you can do, um, and the landlords obviously aren't going to say they're not going to offer these options. They, and they look like heroes when they get a personal guarantee. So they'll want it, and you need to know that you don't have to do it. Now, if you wind up with some kind of a personal guarantee, the business goes away, it fails, whatever, or you just you hate your place and you just pack up and walk out on them. If the landlord turns around and rents the space out to somebody, do we have conditions in the lease covering that aspect, the fact that Hey, I'm not going to pay rent anymore, but you turn around and rent it to somebody else. Uh, it, it depends what state you're in, and I don't know exactly the the uh, direction you're pointed, but you, you bring up a good point in that, for instance, in Florida and other states I'm aware of, um, when you know the landlord does have an obligation to try to release the space, and when they do release the space, they need to credit you with between what you owe and what they're receiving. So really you might you might walk away with you know four more years of a of a lease obligation, but if they rent it out, a lot of that can go away. So it's not quite as bad as it would look on the surface, uh, if if that was the point you were trying to make, it it'd be something to know about. It's a potential uh, I will say from personal experience and a lease that we've had uh, a business went out next door to us at the end of the lease, so they were free and clear. Right. A bank came in and leased the space. However, it was in that time frame of the 80s and early 90s where banks were merging left and right. And the bank that leased the space was merged with a bank who had a facility four blocks away. Right. They didn't need this. Right. They never came in. And I remember one business in particular came, wanted to rent the space, and they specifically said wanted it next door to our business. The landlord would not lease it to them because he had the bank on the hook right. for a number of years. Right. The sad part and foolish part from the landlord's situation was that this potential business walked away. Yeah. The space on the other side was not available. The space sat empty for 15 years. Whoa. And was the bank paying rent on it that whole time? Five. They paid for five. So okay. lost 10 years. Right. That well, and that happens. The credit worthiness of a tenant is important. So I could see where some landlords say, hey, I don't want, you know, this mom and pop business that may, may fail to take over this space, I want this this big shot here responsible. Of course, you know, having vacant space in a shopping center is not healthy for anybody. So they should have looked at the big picture, or they could have gone to the bank and said, "Hey, uh, we got somebody can take over the space. How about you pay us X dollars? You know, some sort of penalty, whatever." And we've done that, by the way, when we have to get out of a lease. Uh, you go to the landlord and say, hey, you know, we got three years left. How about a bit? We give you six months right now. You'll probably have at least in three months. So you just made a little bonus of three months rent, you know, or whatever. We negotiate that way, just a, a payout, uh, which you could also do. And by the way, just to go back real quickly on the, on the guarantee, um, when you're not on the personal guarantee, that gives you a lot of leverage. So if things are not going good in your business, now you can go back to the landlord and say, hey, 
you know, if things aren't good, um, we may have to fold up. Now, if you've personally guaranteed the lease, they go, well, that's fine, but we're going to chase you down. We, we, we're still going to get paid. But if you're not on the personal guarantee, they know that it's easy for you to shut that business down. So that amount of leverage gives you um, some uh, real options to renegotiate the rental rate down or, or other things, a smaller space, whatever. They're not going to chase. They, there's nothing to chase down, so they have to work with you if you're not on the personal guarantee. Okay. Hey, we're at the bottom of the hour. It's uh, halfway through the program. It's time that we take our station break. It gives Craig a chance to uh, uh, drink a little glass of water there, give uh, a chance to, to regroup. Uh, when we come back, we have um, a really interesting question that uh, we're saving it for the bottom of the hour because it's kind of a lengthy question that this person has, uh, has got. And, uh, we will uh, deal with that one, but uh, remind you that you're listening to E.V. Taylor's conversation from October 12, 2017. Our guest is Craig Melby of Lease Smart. You can find him at leasesmart.com. That's L-E-A-S-E, the word lease, smart, like brains, S-M-A-R-T, leasesmart.com. His email, Craig Melby at leasemart.com and the phone number is 828-884-4454 and um, so we did okay for the top of the hour with that little use, uh, instrumental piece of cook clean pay to rent by piece this one was better this is our bottom of the hour this is our special song for Craig the house rent boogie I told the landlady I did lost my job and I didn't have the rent. She said, I don't care about you ain't got the rent. Because all I want is my money. You've been here three weeks and you ain't paid a dime. I said, give me one more week to get the money together. She said, I'm going to give you one more week have the rent out the door you're gonna go the next week come I didn't have the rent and I come in I sneaked in the house late that night that morning come she knocked on my door I want my money right now I said lady now all day long time to find a job I ain't found nothing and I've been here for quite a little while I want my money right now. I said, wait till I go out the street and come back. Taking my old guitar, go out in the street on the corner. I sat down. I said, fellas, some give me a nickel, and some give me a dime, and some give me a quarter, and I pay right there for you all day long. Because I can't go home. Okay, Craig, so how's that one for, for something about rent? Yep, there you have it. That's what the landlords say. That's it. All right, so before we get to the question, uh, let's think about what that man said in the song. If we have a problem in our business, we see a problem coming on the horizon here. Is this an area that you've gotten involved with, that you've got some experience with, that you would say, yeah. hey, you get into a spot, you get a problem? What it, it is. It's not a, not an area I chose to get involved with, but, you know, I've been around long enough for in good economies and bad economies, and the first uh, time this ever happened, a uh, lady calls and says, hey, Craig, I don't know if you can help me. I have leased this space down the street, and I'm out of money. You know, I, uh, my business is not doing well. I can't pay the rent. You know, is there anything you can do? And the bottom line, I put together a big long um, program about you know how to how to break a lease, how, um, and it's really all about communication. You know, we need to talk to the landlord and say, hey, we know we owe you the money, we don't have it, we didn't mean to, we're here. What do you want to do about that? And then there's half a dozen ways we can try to work it out. Um, but yeah, it, in the bad economy, that happens a lot. And communication, they call it jingle mail when you just mail the landlord your keys. You don't want to do that. You just want to say, hey, I don't have the money or, or things are looking bad. 
you want to catch it early. Anyway, I, I don't know how deep you want to go into it, but yeah, we there are many things a person can and should do. The first of being communicating with the landlord and and uh, and landlords seen it many times. These landlords that have a lot of shopping centers, a lot of spaces. Believe me, they probably on a daily basis have tenants that have problems that they have to uh, have to work out. So let's look at um, the question. And as I shared tonight's question, uh, a couple of reminders to everyone. If you send them to us, one is uh, there's always this guarantee that I made <coughs> that I uh, do not identify who the person is that's asking the question. I do not identify where they are, name of the business, the type of the business, um, because there may be a competitor, somebody that close by that does not need to have this information. Uh, so I do my best, uh, although I share the letter with uh, Craig, uh, I do my best to camouflage it, and let's see how I can do so. Um, this person owns a business, and they're not selling the business, but what they're going to take and do is sell a, a chunk of land that the business is located on. So they're going to keep part, and they're going to sell part, and this is a bunch of acres. Uh, and then what they say is, well, here we are right up alongside this highway, and um, we've got billboards. We have billboards on this, on this chunk of land there, and we're not going to sell it. We're going to sell all the land around it, but we're not going to sell the acreage that's got the, the billboards on it. Uh, and then we've got a challenge that also comes into play here, in that the acreage with the billboards, as you might imagine, folks driving down the interstate is the land's right next to the interstate that's got the billboards on it. And the land they sell it is kind of all around it. So uh, they say, well, we've, we've at least come up with a, uh, a deal with the company that's, gonna, that's making this offer to us to say that they're going to allow us to have access to and from the uh, place for maintenance of the billboards and repairs. Uh, and they've even agreed that, uh, well, while they're out there doing whatever they do on their land, that um, they will take and landscape and maintain the land here. So you know, it's not like we got to go hire somebody to go cut the grass anymore. They will be uh, doing it for us. Okay, that looks pretty good so far. However, there's a couple of conditions. Uh, one of which is that uh, the person buying them says, uh, we want you to agree that you're not going to put any more billboards on the acre that you've got. Okay, well, you're, you're locked in at that point. No more is allowed. And um, the second one is that, that when the tent lease is up, whoever is leasing the billboard from our listener tonight, uh, that they've got the first right to uh, purchase. Now, we will assume that the first right to purchase or lease up at the billboard is when you have first right, it's basically matching the price as to what somebody, whatever somebody else has, has been paying. Uh, let's see, what else do we have in there? Um, they don't want to lose the sale. They want the sale to go through to these people, but they don't want to be um, pressured into negotiating on the piece of land they got there. And uh, another condition is that with what goes that can go on the billboard now uh, until the buyer has the option to get on, is you cannot put up billboards for any of my competitors for whoever the new owner of, the, of the, this piece of land is. Okay, so let's see. Her questions at the bottom are, how do I politely and very clearly state that I'm selling you this piece of land and uh, we're not going to negotiate on the one acre with, with regard to the billboards being there? Uh, can I make them feel, is there some smart, savvy way, see Craig, that's what invited you, smart, savvy. Uh, I can make the, the buyer feel that I've negotiated something with them but uh, I really haven't given something away here, okay? So I've massaged that question as best I can, Craig, to, uh, to protect the, get everyone involved. But you've seen the exact question word for word, because you and I got on the phone and talked about it this afternoon. Uh, your comments on this one. Well, w the way I'm looking at it is that probably the buyer would like to buy all the land. But the seller wants to hold back the piece that has the cash flow, you know, of the billboards. So the 
buyer is trying to come up with a compromise that will make the seller happy. And so those features that the buyer has offered, uh, I personally think are pretty reasonable. Uh, for instance, uh, if I had, you know, if I built a big business there and you have, uh, you know, I don't want you to put a billboard for a competitor right smack in the middle of my business, I think that's reasonable. And as far as first road refusal on the billboard, it's really all about the income. I'm not thinking you really care who you rent the billboard to. Um, so when the billboard comes up for renewal, uh, whatever you could have gotten from someone else, let me pay that. So you know, I, I don't see the buyer as being unreasonable at all um, myself. I think it's a good compromise. Now, if you're absolutely insistent that, uh, you know, too bad, it's my land, I don't want anybody telling me what to do with it, then um, you would just have to go back to the seller and, and politely basically say, this is a philosophical issue, you know. Um, and by the way, the access, you know, uh, um, uh, to the property, that's easy. You know, the easements are done all the time. So that that's not a big deal. But so if you really, really insist on... Uh, keeping that, it, you know, maybe it will blow the deal because I know if I was going to build, uh, and I have no idea what kind of business this is, but what if I was going to put some sort of car dealership there as a Honda dealership or something, and now you're going to put a big billboard right in the middle of my uh, dealership that says, you know, Toyota, five, five, half a mile down the street, you know, or go to the light and turn right or whatever. That, that's not reasonable, I don't think. So, um, you know, like I said, I think it's reasonable, but other than that, you it just have to go philosophical on him and say, I'm sorry, but the way I was raised and everything, we just, we just can't have people telling us what to do. You want to buy the, the acreage that doesn't include this, then you can have it, uh, and, but I, I can't be told what to do with the remainder, and you just leave it at that. Yeah, I, I can agree with you. The idea of I don't as you're using your Honda to Toyota example is fine. Uh, what I do like is the idea that if it is they're going to get first right of refusal, I mean you can go out and find basically politely said any fool out there who will pay you a crazy high dollar for that billboard, and if they want it, they got to match it. Right. So it would be the best thing to ever happen to you. And just say, I just got to find someone to help drive up this price. Right. Yeah. And because as I read it, no, we're not going to sell um, the acreage where the billboard is, or we're not selling the billboard. I, I've not been in the billboard business, but I understand leasing signs can be a pretty decent chunk of money. The interstate yeah. gets busier and busier. The rates just go higher and higher. Uh, what I have done, Craig, also, is I have taken uh, to this person uh, and sent them an email and said, here's where to find Craig, here's his email, here's his phone number, here's his website, so that you could uh, follow up back and forth. Um, this is the time of night where we usually, but we're not tonight, uh, because couldn't get my guests in line in time to do it. This is where we usually tell you, oh, here's what's coming for uh, next month. Okay, well, I don't have the person recording. This was, uh, our, our guest coming up is going to be a lady by the name of Beth Carroll. And, and Beth Carroll was the person who was going to be in our program July, I think it was, July or August, somewhere in there. Um, and the downside, which was totally my fault, was went to the doctor, gave me some little medicine, and I was as dopey as it could be. And uh, I don't need help looking really goofy. So uh, at the last minute, we called off the program and Beth said, yeah, I'll come back and join you for the fall. Um, so Beth's going to be there. What, where we found Beth and what I invite you all to go take a look at is uh, Beth created a program called smallshopper.com. And it's basically just a, 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 a website, a listing for people who hopefully, like all of us, uh, make a point to go find small businesses and say, I do business with them. Although, if I was talking to someone driving down the highway today, I saw something, oh, it just ground me to no end. Uh, I was at a trade show up in the northeast part of the country uh, a couple weeks ago. 
And, and there was a vendor uh, that exhibiting their products, their wares, to all these locally independent businesses all across the northeast part of the United States. And it was an old trick, you know, put your name in the hat and we're going to draw a prize. And I saw, of course, all kinds of people coming by and dropping business cards in this little bucket to get pulled. What grinds me, the prize they're offering is a $100 gift card to Amazon. I'm like, really, folks? Really? I mean, we're here with independent businesses, and the prize you're dangling in front of them is, let's go shopping on Amazon. Yeah. Okay, come on. You know, so I, I was somewhere along the line, I'll put this picture on something on our website, but it's like, come on, folks. Understand who, I mean, it's not like there's a war going on, well, there is to some degree, but the answer is give a prize to something like, and my suggestion, go to Powell's bookstore, okay? So these people from all across a region, and they can't all get a prize to one specific store. Uh, Powell's is an independent bookstore. Give them a $100 gift card. They go look, shop online on Powell's website and, and buy a book on business that way. Uh, but my gosh, not this, let's go to this place. doesn't make sense. Hey, Craig, so um, because I'm, I'm reading it and, uh, and enjoying it and, le- and liking a lot of what you have to say, um, so you wrote this, this book, okay? Yeah. And uh, good book, good to read, good information uh, for those who aren't big on book reading. Plenty of pictures included there as well. Uh, but um, Craig's got this book called Sight Right, okay? Sight, S-I-T-E, Right, R-I-T-E, that he wrote. Uh, good book. Like I said, great one to read. Um, Craig, before we get the program started, you uh, were kind to uh, say, hey, I got an offer here, a deal. Would you uh, make that for, for everybody, please? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, you could buy a, you know, a, a copy, a hard copy from Amazon, but I'm happy to give a PDF version away. So if people listening to the program want to email me, and you've given my uh, email address a couple times, then I'll just reply with a PDF version of the book, and it's all about picking the best site and negotiating the best lease. No advertising in there hardly to speak of. It's mostly good, good content that will save you tons of grief and money. So happy to so send it to you. And, uh, information there. So yeah, you lots read, of good stuff. Um, and you don't need to go shopping on Amazon anyway. Right. Okay. All right. So um, early in the book, you had a, a chart and gosh, uh, you know I love numbers. And you had this chart. You said, okay, so there's four sites, A, B, C, and D. Yeah. And you were doing uh, an estimate, as an example, for here's what sales would be in each of the four different locations. And um, you can tell by the rent that's appropriate to each of them that A has the cheap excuse me, the cheapest rent, D has the most expensive rent. So we're going to have to make some kind of assumption here that um, there's a reason why it's more expensive in, in site D than site A, and it's going to be some combination between it's a higher economic type of customer, there's more foot traffic in the shopping center, maybe factors that it's new. Somehow or another, we've got justification that Site B is worth more rent than Site A. And very good question that you ask here, which is the idea, well, how do I pick? And as compared to just tossing it with a, well, buy the most expensive thing you can, you can afford, you come up with a, a ratio, a factor, that says, let's put a relationship between what we think this location can produce in sales and what it's going to cost us. Um, can you give a little explanation? Because I thought that was pretty, pretty sharp thinking on your part. Well, thank you. I, I was trying to uh, make a point uh, very clearly to uh, a person picking a site because I, I, uh, many times they only go on rent and they're not looking at 
what's the what's the difference in sales volume? And that's what you have to do is look at a proportion of your your uh, rent to sales volume. And you know, it frustrates me because in your overall cost of doing business, the difference between um, the rent in a B location and an A location, you know, you're going to pay more in rent, but you could do double the sales. And uh, so, yeah, you just need to be able to put a, a number on it that you can look at and say, you know what, I, I really do need this other location. It makes, it just makes sense, is what, what I was trying to uh, illustrate. Now, also, you know, what we want to make sure people know and what they think about, and this is where someone like Craig comes into play, is there is that old adage of location, location, location. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, I think about Craig, you have to remember from your days of living in St. Petersburg. Uh, once you think about driving on 4th Street North in St. Pete. Yeah. Uh, do you remember, okay, do you remember Bob Lee's tire? Yeah. Okay, 4th Street and 15th Avenue North. This is a place that repairs cars, has gas pumps out front, uh, sells tires, does a, a pretty decent business, and yet, to, I mean, and it's to, to the point, like, I know, I won't go to Bob Lee's to get gas, because there's too, too many times there's wrecks out there from people getting in and out of the place, and, and it's just, it's too messy. My wife goes there because they pump the gas for you, and I go, no, nah, it's not worth the chance of wrecking my car. Yeah. Two blocks south of there, so this is the same street, two blocks closer to the downtown area. Um, opposite side of the street, you know, so if people going to and from, either coming or going one time or another during the day, they're on one side of the street or the other. And here's a, a business that also does repairs. They are also in an old 1950s style gas station, and yet they have a sign out front, and it's always cheap. You know, we, we beat anyone's prices. Now, they sometimes have mechanics stand out there like, hey, no waiting. And I look at it as an example and say, you know, folks, this is where you look at the place and you think it's got to be the best location. This is a great example of there's other factors. And sure. this is why you want expertise to help you look at it and going, so what is the other factor? What's here? What are we missing? What's, what is one business doing that another one's not doing that somehow or another uh, if we were leasing these two buildings, if we were buying the business, there would be a big, big difference in what we pay for this, these businesses. It's um, things that you got to look at, because in these cases, while foot traffic is important, or the car traffic, you look at yep. realistically think they drive the same street every day, twice, yeah. once on the side, and but something's different somewhere here. Yeah, it depends on the business, uh, whether you're uh, pedestrian-oriented or, or vehicular, but I've seen many cases where your access is no good. You can, you can even see the store, but you can't get in or out of the place. And, you know, you, so you pull in once, and then you realize this was a really a pain in the butt to get out of here. I'm not coming back. It was no longer a good experience. And um, it, you see the bad design sometimes. Or, you know, yeah, you're in a big anchored shopping center, but you're in the arm that no one travels near and people can come in and shop at the big grocery store and never even know you were there. So just all kinds of stuff. And, and um, it's amazing that you see the common sense doesn't seem so common sometimes. Yeah. Hey, last station break of the night. Um, we got a couple of websites that talk to Craig. Here's how to find it. Craig Melby. LeaseSmart.com. That's L-E-A-S-E-S-M-A-R-T.com. Email is Craig, C-R-A-I-G, Melby, M-E-L-B-Y, Craig Melby at LeaseSmart.com. Phone is 828-884-4454. And you'll go listen to Craig's podcast. Uh, it's LeaseSmartPodcast.com. And if you want this PDF of this book, which is, um, I hardly recommend folks. I mean, it's just, if you're going to buy a, a new building, you're going to lease a building, whatever it is, you got a lease coming up at some point in time, or if you just want to see what did you miss in the last one, 
Um, good reading. Great, great bunch of material. Um, Craig, one other item I want to mention uh, that I have seen happen with businesses. Uh, of course, okay, you and I go back a bunch of years, so you know I've got way too many war stories. Uh, I want to alert people to when you're leasing space and you are in a strip center or a mall, um, that it's not just your lease that comes into play, but you may also want to know about the lease of the other tenants that are in these locations. Uh, I have personally seen, and I read Craig to verify and say, no, they don't do that anymore or whatever. Uh, Craig, I've seen situations where you have the major players in a strip center whose leases, as I would say, lean on each other uh, to the extent if large business A packs up and leaves, goes bankrupt, and then large business B has the right to cancel their lease. Right. Or at a minimum, renegotiate it. Right. And when you look at what's happened in the United States, I, I see two things. One, you look at malls. Uh, my belief is traditionally into a mall is they, they ran their course. There's only been like two open in the last few years. Um, don't know if everybody caught it, but today, Sears. Canada, okay, Sears Canada, not Sears United States. Sears Canada announced they folded. They go to court tomorrow for approval from the bankruptcy judge in Canada, and then uh, one week from today, they expect to start their going out of business sale. Um, watching that, Target has already folded out of Canada. It's just a matter of not understanding the market for a large part. Um, in the United States, we went for years with strip centers uh, that would have a grocery store in them, and they would have a national chain drugstore with them. Now, you look at Rite Aid, you look at CVS, you look at Walgreens, and it's pharmacies. They have packed up and left. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. that leaves a big hole in a shopping center. And as Craig said earlier, you get a big hole in a shopping center, it looks bad for everybody else. And it's a little hard to find someone who wants to walk in and wants uh, 25,000, 30,000 square feet. Sure, you need that. And, and we try to put in leases that if, if you went to the big shopping center because the anchor tenant's there bringing in all the traffic, well, once that anchor tenant leaves, it's not a good for you anymore, and we should have the right to leave ourselves. And that's the point that you, you want to look at, uh, because what's going to happen is that landlord is going to have a hard time, simply because of the shape of those big buildings, of cutting them up and making them into something else. Think yeah. of a grocery store or a drugstore. They are so wide, but they're also so deep that it's hard to find someone who wants a store that is 40 feet by 120 feet. It's an odd-looking slice of pie. It doesn't work right. So that's something that we need to look at and consider what happens. Uh, Craig, what about the situation of a shopping center where the shopping center begins to change? Uh, you were, Let's say a business listening tonight was in a shopping center. Life was good. It looked fine. Shift happens in the community. And now we start seeing the county tax assessor office in there. And we start right. seeing um, rent-to-own places, buy-here-pay-here yep. places. We start right. seeing check-cashing places show up. Can we put something in the lease that kind of covers us when, I mean, when I look at a shopping center and I start seeing those places pop it up, I'm going, this is declining. This is going to get us pretty quick. Yeah, it depends on how much leverage you have, but you definitely do want to pay attention, and this is where a shorter lease with options would allow you just to leave, or if you're not on the uh, personal guarantee, you can say, hey, we're not doing good here, we're going to leave or negotiate a lower rent until we do leave, or you try to get, if you have enough leverage when you're doing the deal, uh, a kickout clause that says if sales start declining or if they go below X percent over this time last year, then we can terminate the lease. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that you 
should put in there, but a lot of the changes you're talking about happen a little bit slow, and you just got to pay attention to it, and uh, hopefully you have a short enough lease. That the most normal, I would say, would be a short enough lease with options where you just don't exercise the option and you're out of there. So let's see, as it's 9 o'clock and it's time to go home, a couple of things that we want to make sure everybody gets from tonight's meeting. One, leases are not ironclad, boilerplate, sign it, and that's it. Everything is open to negotiation. Yep. Number two, you want some expertise in there to help you look for, for things. Uh, little stuff, because you want someone who's had some experience and, uh, and been around the block. I, I think about the other day, yeah. I was in um, Nevada and spoke to a person, and they were telling us about a problem that had happened in their community and how their business had been seriously damaged business-wise. And I yeah. asked the person, did you have insurance for, and I, the term is escaping me at the moment, but there's a clause that when your business has a problem, issue, it could be a fire, it could be all kinds of things, that you have insurance to cover you for loss of, of income. And the guy was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I've got that or not. Never thought about it. I need to make a phone call. This is why you want someone who's an expert to, to look at it. Um, and number three, I would say is, even once the lease is in play, it's still in play for consideration to make changes. Right. Anything can be renegotiated because you never know the position the landlord's in and what it is that he's needing. Is that pretty good, Craig? Is that about it? Yeah, uh, yeah. The only thing we didn't touch on is even though landlords are wonderful people, and I love them, uh, and I deal with them all the time, they represent you know the, the other side of the table, and they're... You know, a, a lot of small business people just talk to the nice leasing agent and do the deal with no representation of their own. And, you know, that nice, honest leasing agent wouldn't be honest if they gave the tenant the very best deal because they've already promised to give the landlord the very best deal. So you have to know, even though they're very nice, wonderful people, they are not on your side. They have a job to do. And so you just have to know that. So then on another night, we can tell, you and I can get together and we can tell the ugly stories, let's see, about the landlord I had arrested. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, there, there's the some landlords that are over the top, and they do uh, wear a black hat. But just on average, they're great people, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's too bad. I think you and I know someone like that together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. So remember, right to Craig, Craig Melby, right? Craig Melby at LeaseSmart.com. Ask Craig to send you a copy of the book. If you got questions, you can get right in contact with him. Join us next month. Beth Carroll will be joining us from uh, SmallShopper.com to talk about her movement is, uh, and what it does in addition to what we're doing with the Independent Retailer Month. Craig, thank you, sir. Appreciate you coming and joining us for the evening. You're sure well, welcome. It was a great pleasure. Join us again. All right. Good night, everybody. And, oh, by the way, here's our favorite sound. We'll close with It's been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests again next month for e-retailer conversations right here on PBN, the Profitable Business Network.